Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the following details before I start the next episode. You see, it is now December, and I have only been able to see my daughter once since this whole thing started. During this time, as you know, I started doing my own investigating. I felt like I needed as much information as possible if I was going to go to court. As the months dragged on, pieces of information would trickle in that helped me put some more pieces of the mother's story together. Shout out to Facebook and Instagram, because without them, none of this would be possible. Oh, and the internet, for being so stingy and never forgetting or deleting a thing. At this point, a lot of you are wondering why she wouldn't let me see my child and kept making it so difficult for me. Well, so was I, and that's where social media comes in. Here's what we know so far. Up until at least June 13th, 2018, the mother and father number two were happily married, according to Facebook posts around that time. The last photo posted on that date has the mother making a kissy face and sunglasses behind the wheel of a car and father number two with his arm around her. In the middle of the picture, there are a bunch of little hearts making one big heart. Now, if you've been paying attention to dates, this photo was posted on June 13th, 2018 the same day I was scheduled to take the paternity test. I also have to note, my daughter is nowhere in this photo. After that, the trail in that relationship goes cold. According to a post on Facebook in late August, father number two and the mother had a public fallout. Father number two posted that she was trying to sell his belongings from his house and advised everyone not to buy them. Shortly after that, the mother posted she was looking for a place to stay and wanted to know if anyone needed a roommate. Great. So she was basically homeless with clearly nothing to her name. And on top of that, she had my daughter. Then on September 3rd, 2018, father number three makes his social media debut. But this just wasn't a regular post posted by the mother. The photo she decided to post to introduce this whirlwind romance to the world just happened to be a post of this guy with my daughter on a seesaw with the caption saying, thank you for simply being you, and a red heart. Wow, allow me to bring this full circle for you. I received my letter confirming I was the father on July 16th, 2018. It is safe to assume that she also received this letter on or after that date as well. Father number two was still in the picture up until at least June 16th, maybe longer. The address for the mother on all of the court documents is an address belonging to father number two. The last of which I received on September 9th, 2018 for child support mediation on September 20th. In the middle of this, we know she was homeless until she met Captain Saverhoe, who ended up throwing her a life jacket. But not just any life jacket. You see, he wasn't even the captain of his own ship. In fact, he was still living at home with his mother. So... That meant not only was the mother living with these people she barely knew, but so was my daughter. I didn't get to meet my daughter until October 16th, almost a whole month since mediation and three months to the day of me officially finding out. During this time, the mother was able to leave father number two, while still married might I add, wind up homeless, start a whirlwind romance, and shamelessly introduce this guy to my daughter as what? That's right, you guessed it, her father and then moved my daughter in with him and her mother. This is why I couldn't see her and why I was being shut out of her life. This is also why my daughter had to call me Michael, not because I was confusing her, no. 
it was because she had already started laying the groundwork for father number three to play that role. And I was just along for the ride to fund it. Dealing with her was like navigating a minefield. And I was finally starting to see why. This is Destination Unknown. From No Dad to Girl Dad. Episode 5. The Scam Artist. The childish game of keep away by the mother was still in full effect. And her text from Thanksgiving stood out in my mind. I couldn't wrap my head around all of the things she said. Me telling my daughter to call me dad confused her. She will call me dad when she is ready. Being her dad did not mean I was her father. I mean, seriously? What was wrong with her? And how did any of that make sense? What I soon came to realize was that in her mind, that title and that role would only be bestowed on whoever she was dating. Using my daughter was the only way to build the life she wanted. My daughter was a pawn in her sick game of life. The ultimate sympathy card played to coerce these feeble-minded men and their families to take them in based on a multitude of lies and deceptions. For me, it would only get worse. On December 2nd, I FaceTimed my daughter and surprisingly, the mother picked up. As she put my daughter on the phone, she says, Mike was on the phone, so say hi. So after that, my daughter does exactly what she's told and says, hi, Michael. Once again, I correct her and let her know I am her dad and it is okay to call me that. Again, the mother snatches the phone, hangs up on me, and then sends the following messages. I want you to talk to her, but trying to force that isn't natural. It confuses her. I thought we talked about it and we're on the same page, but I guess I misunderstood. Do you want to call her again? Then... She had the nerve to send me a picture of my daughter smiling, holding the blanket, putting up Christmas decorations. It was like she was throwing the fact that she held all the cards in my face. I didn't respond. I saw no point. She hung up on me, then sent me a scolding message as if I'm a child, and then asked if I want to call again. For what? To have to go through all of that again in front of my daughter and whoever else was around? Nah, I'm good. I wasn't for her public humiliation and the emotional roller coaster she thought she could put me on. The next morning, I received another text. Did child support come out of your November 30th check? It hasn't posted and normally it would by now. Figures when I need it for her party. I'll call child support and see what's going on. Just wanted to check with you first. Thank you. Here we go again with the child support questions. For a party, I decided to ignore her because at this point, I wasn't going to have another conversation about my money, especially since I could barely talk to my daughter, let alone see her. I did have questions about the party, but I decided to wait on that. Later that evening, she sent another message completely out of the blue and way out of left field. It was a picture of a page from a book with a passage that read, It hurts a kid when their old man promises to call or promises to write and doesn't. That part was highlighted. That's what she sent me. Really? First of all, when was this book written? The early 1970s? It hurts a kid when their old man promises to call a right. Oh man, it's 2018. Who uses that term for father anymore? Call a right? We live in an age of texting and FaceTime. Who is writing a letter to a child? I mean, yes, I was happy to know that she could read and all, but geez, find some better material. How about a book on not alienating the father from his child? Or... 
picking up a copy of Psychology Today to learn about the emotional and psychological effects her poor decision-making could have on her child. So I responded. Yo, stop sending me this stuff. You're making it difficult for us to have a relationship. You're the one in the way. Take a look at yourself and apply what you read. And the following exchange ensued. You say you want a relationship with her, but you call once a week. You promise to FaceTime and you don't. You wonder why she doesn't want to talk to you, but it's because she doesn't know you. And she doesn't know you because you don't make yourself known. I want to see my daughter so we can bond and connect without you around. You want her to call you dad, but you don't want to earn that name. You won't have her alone until we know who you are. She's my daughter. I'm her dad. That's not earned. That's a given. It's about respect. I'm just going to go to court because I can see you don't get it. And what you're doing is more damaging than you think. Go to court for what? So you can make her feel uncomfortable and force her to be around you when she doesn't even know who the fuck you are? I want her to have a relationship with you, but I'm trying to ease into this and you're trying to force everything. You want me to just allow her to go with you by herself, and it's not just about my feelings, Michael. She doesn't even know who you are. You talked to her on the phone three times, and you've met her once, and now you just want to take her by yourself? You don't even know anything about her, or what she likes, or who she is. You have to do all of that, and learn about her, and get to know her before you can just take her. If you really want to take this to court, I'm not going to stop you, but just be prepared for supervised visitation, because you will not get her alone. Not until you actually stick to what you say. If you FaceTime to her every day and you made yourself a parent in her life, then I would be fine with her being alone with you. I want her to have a relationship with you, but not at the expense of her emotional well-being. I'm not going to put her in the car with a stranger and tell her she has to spend time with you. She's a child. She will adapt. That's part of it. You just want control, and it doesn't work like that. I'll take my chances in court. Once she is spending time with me, she will be fine. I guess I'll see you in court then because you have no clue how this works. Visits won't be supervised. It's not about her adapting. It's about her being comfortable. You can't just meet her for 30 minutes and talk to her three times on the phone and think that jumping into her life and taking her away from her mom is acceptable. If you want to have her around you, I'm fine with that. If you want to call her and be in her life, I want that. But you're not just going to take her by yourself when she doesn't know who you are. You have to get to know her, and she has to get to know you before there will be any relationship. She's not five months old. She's about to be five years old. You're trying to jump into things and make everything about you, and it's not at all. I'm glad you're not going anywhere. It's about time that she knows who you are. But I'm not just going to allow you to take her by yourself. It's not going to happen. When you get to know her and you actually come through with what you say and you could FaceTime her and you call her and you take her on dates and you actually see her, then we can talk about you having her by yourself. But until then, it's not going to happen. Okay. All I wanted was to make this easier for her because I actually care about her feelings. You, on the other hand, are trying to make up for five years in a couple months and it doesn't work that way. I called three times last week. Twice I was sent to voicemail, and the other she was asleep. So stop it. I am more than willing for you to spend time with her. 
I will be there, but I can walk away and I can be in another room of wherever we are. I'm just saying I'm not comfortable with her going out with you alone. I'm just saying that the least you can do is start off by actually calling every night and not just saying you're going to call or promising birthday presents. You're going about this in all the wrong ways. I'm not going to argue with you. If you want to go to court, that's fine. I'll see you there. (sighs) Whatever. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, I have just as much right to time with her as you do. You are in the way because you want to create these rules and boundaries about when and how I can spend time with my daughter. You're being difficult, so I'll just get the custody order in writing, and that way we don't have to keep going through this. Not three times in seven days, please. You called at 8.35 after I specifically told you she goes to bed at 8.30. If you want to speak to her, it will be before her bedtime. Anytime after that, she will not be available. I'm not going to disrupt her schedule because you can't call on time. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to work with you, and just because you're her blood means that you automatically have as much right as I do? You've met her one time. The only thing you have the right to do is build a relationship with your child. I'm not trying to keep you from doing that. I'm going to protect my baby in any way that I can, and I'm not going to let her be with a stranger and be scared because she doesn't even know who the fuck you are. You went to Chuck E. Cheese and didn't even play with her because she didn't know who you were and was scared to be next to you. Of course she wants to be with me. She's only known me for five years. You need to take your emotions out of it and think about what's best for her. I don't want to go to court because I don't want a judge dictating our time with her. But if you can't come to an agreement with me, then I'm not going to argue with you. Thinking back on this exchange, I realized the onus was always on me to call and make an effort. And every time I did, I was met with a roadblock. One minute, she was not trying to get in the way of me building a relationship with my child, and she didn't want a judge dictating her time. The next minute, I wasn't equal, and the time with me wasn't going to get in the way of her everyday routine. She was a walking, talking, breathing contradiction. I knew what she was up to. I knew the scam she was running. And to let me and my daughter's life would ruin it. I didn't forget about the party she was having, and I'm not going to lie. I used it to call her bluff. So the next morning... I text her. I knew either one of two things would happen. One, she would agree. I probably had a better chance of hitting the lottery twice in one week. And two, she'd find a way to make an argument and not say anything about it. If allowed, I had full intention on showing up to drop a gift off. And that was it. I didn't want to stay. I just wanted my daughter to know. I knew it was her day and I was there to celebrate her. I wasn't getting my hopes up though. So I sent the text. Good morning. What are the details of the party? When and where? I would like to be there for a little just to bring her gifts. You think that because we are both her parents that we are equal and we're not. She doesn't even know you and you just want to jump into her life and take her away from her mother so you can build a relationship with her. That doesn't even make sense. If you want to be in her life, I am more than willing to let that happen. I want that to happen, but not at the expense of her everyday routine. You're so quick to just say, okay, and I'm trying to work with you, and you don't want to do that. You're saying that it's me making things hard, but you're not making them any easier. All of a sudden, you spend 30 minutes, make a few phone calls, and pay child support for a few months, and you think that you just have all the rights in the world? Sorry, you don't. I'm done with this conversation. Have a great night. The following text exchange transpired.
If you want to see her on our actual birthday, that would be fine. Are you free? I worked that day, and I have an event from 2 to 7 after work, which is why I was asking about the party. Will you send me the details? Her birthday is Sunday the 16th. You work on a Sunday? Yes, I do. But that's irrelevant. I'm asking about the birthday party. Are you going to send me the details or not? We are having the party at my house, and I'm not comfortable with you being there. If you want to see her on her birthday, that's fine. What part of I can't because I work don't you understand? I don't know why you have to be difficult. It's okay, though. Thank you. You don't have to be rude. I'm trying to accommodate you. No. You're not because I have to work and that doesn't work for me. I asked about the party. It's not about you. It's about my daughter. If she's having a party, I don't see why I can't stop by on the day that she will be celebrating. Like I said, it's fine. Thank you. Do you want to meet this Sunday the 9th at the Children's Museum? It's okay. I asked you about the party for her birthday. The week before and the day after have nothing to do with it. Like I said, it's fine. Thank you. I'm offering to compromise. You're choosing not to work with me. That's your decision. <laughs> Laughing out loud. It's okay. Enjoy your day. Thank you. It's at my house and no one knows you, so we don't want strangers there. I'm sorry. If you decide you want to see her, let me know. Yes, okay. I lied about working. But what did it matter at that point? I knew she wasn't going to let me see her on her birthday anyway. My lie was small in comparison to what really got my blood boiling. The party is at my house and no one knows you, so we don't want strangers here? Wait a minute. Your house? Last time that I checked, you don't own a pot to piss in, let alone a window to throw it out of. All of a sudden you get taken in as charity and you're calling the shots? Come on. And stranger? If I remember correctly, wasn't she on this stranger's line the morning before asking about this stranger's money because it was so vital to this party? So, I can pay for the party all day long, but if I want to show up, I'm a stranger. It was clear. She wanted an anonymous donor, and that is what I refused to be. December 16th came and went without her answering my birthday calls. Honestly, I was hurt. Going into this, I didn't think it was going to be this difficult. Six months in, and I had literally accomplished nothing. I could see if I wasn't trying to play an active role in my daughter's life. And I would just pop up every few months making crazy requests. But at this point, I was showing I wasn't going anywhere. I just wanted to get to know my daughter. I never received a call or a text from the mother asking me to see my daughter or meet my daughter or even just talk or FaceTime. Nothing. So I had one more opportunity before I went back to the drawing board. Christmas. I FaceTimed my daughter. And her mother didn't answer, so I sent the text. Hey, I FaceTimed my daughter to say Merry Christmas. I would like to pick her up at 3 to take her with me for an hour or so to my mom's, just so they can see her and she can meet everybody and get her gifts. Let me know if that works. Simple request, right? I didn't ask for a whole day or make a demand. I just simply asked a question. This is how the conversation unfolded after that. If you want to see her, let me know. I'd be happy to meet up with you. Shaking my head. I don't know why you have to be difficult, but okay. I'm not going to argue with you. 
I'm driving, so when I get done, I'll FaceTime her again. I'll have her FaceTime you when she gets out of the tub. And I told you, I'm not comfortable with her being with you alone yet. When you're consistent, that will be a conversation we can have. It's okay. It's fine. Thank you. Okay, she should be out soon. I'm not making anything difficult. I haven't heard from you since December 4th. That's 21 days with no contact. You're not consistent, Michael. You want to be in her life? Then be in her life always. Not just when you remember you have a child. <coughs> FaceTime her whenever you can. She's almost ready. That was the final straw. I was done playing her game. She didn't answer my FaceTime call, even though she said my daughter was ready. And to add insult to injury, she decided once again to send me pictures. This time of my daughter opening Christmas gifts. She was shutting me out. I still can't explain why, after all this time, I didn't file a custody papers. And I bet a lot of you are asking yourselves that same question. If I'm being honest, there were a couple reasons. First, I believe in the person's ability to do the right thing. I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. Neither one of us knew how to navigate the intricacies of co-parenting. This was new to both of us. I also felt like eventually, for her, it would click that I wasn't a threat to her child. She saw everything in mediation. I was gainfully employed with a career at a bank. I didn't approach the situation aggressively and make demands. And most of all, I was all about my daughter. I felt like that had to count for something. Secondly, part of me was still coming to grips with everything. This was still fresh to me. I was still wrapping my head around it all. So, maybe I didn't call every single day. I was learning how to do this on the fly, but I still showed effort. More effort than she was showing for sure. It was the information in March that took me from humble nice guy to full-blown Liam Neeson in taking mode. The fight was on. On March 15th, I received five photos that would change how I approached this forever. The first photo was posted by the mother on October 16th, 2018. It's a photo of father number three sitting in a chair on a porch cradling my daughter who was in her pajamas in his arms. October 16th, three days after the first and only time I was able to see my daughter in person. The first and only time I would be introduced and known to her as her dad. That cut deep. Who was really confusing her? The next photo is a post from the mother on December 10th, 2018. In the photo is father number three, sitting in the chair with one leg crossed over the other. He has on a black sweatshirt with an image of a bridge on it and tan cargo pants. He is staring straight in the camera with a half smile and is wearing a unicorn party hat on his head. The caption reads, Unicorn Dad, with the unicorn emoji and two pink hearts. Unicorn Dad? More like uniquely corny wannabe dad, if you ask me. The next photo, posted by the mother, was a few days after Christmas. In the photo, there is a close-up of a Barbie standing on the platform in a dollhouse. The caption reads, Daddy did the damn thing. Great job, baby. The child's name and I are so lucky to have you. Heart emoji, thank you for being so amazing. Side note, I think you're going to have just as much fun playing with this as she is. She was pitiful. And so was he. Even now, it's hard to look at these photos. It makes me angry all over again. To this day, it still hurts knowing how much I had to endure back then. By now, through cross-referencing posts and looking at likes, 
we finally found Father Number Three's Facebook and Instagram. And man, it was something to see. The most revealing post was posted on August 27th, 2018. It reads, August 27th equals two years. I never would have imagined that I could be in the place I am today. The blessings I've received in this process have been honestly beyond my wildest dreams. From being homeless and helpless to being completely free and truly at peace. I want to thank everyone that's been a huge part of my recovery. Then there's a picture of a keychain that reads, clean and serene for multiple years of recovery. With the picture next to it that reads, Hope Dealer. There were a number of posts, but none quite like this one. The other photos show him and his recovery group hanging out and going places together. It looked like he was on the right track. So it made me wonder, how did he get hooked up with the mother? Was it a rehab romance? Either way, recovered or not, I couldn't accept what he was doing to my daughter. Looking at his posts also led us to discovering his mother's Instagram page. Her Instagram handle, which I won't disclose, is interesting to say the least, but I digress. Anyway, on November 22nd, 2018, Thanksgiving, the mother posted a close-up photo of herself with the following caption. Today, I am full of gratitude for all the things that bring me joy. The people in my life who I led into my heart. My sons, my grandsons, my Brittany, and a new addition to our little family, the mother's name and my daughter's name. We are blessed. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, from our family to yours. The new addition to our family wouldn't change a thing. She was being played, and in a major way. The next post was on December 10th, 2018. In the photo, my daughter is literally curled up in a dog bed in her pajamas with a blanket, cuddling his mom's dog. The caption reads, Willow, I can't tell if she loves this or hates it. It's safe to say that she is a fave in this house. She is so sweet and tolerant of the child's name, and she loves Willow so much. Okay, that was weird. This next photo, it hurt though. It was posted on December 26, 2018, the day after Christmas, the day I was once again denied access to my daughter. In the photo is a close-up picture of my daughter, smiling, showing all of her teeth. Her hair is wild and curly, and it looks like she has a green and red bow on the right side of her head. She is also in Christmas pajamas. His mother's caption reads, This little angel made Christmas morning at 7.30 a.m. bearable. Her giggles and squeals filled my heart with joy. Love you, sweet, my daughter's name, with the heart-eyed emoji. I wonder if she knew that on that same day, the day she was so thankful for, and the day her heart was filled with joy because of Christmas morning squeals and giggles, I was shut out of my daughter's life, and I was told not to be called dad. My heart was filled with sorrow. Or, if she knew that on those days, I was sent pictures of my daughter from her house as a reminder of what I wasn't allowed to be a part of. What spell was she under? What lies has she been told? The con was in full effect, and it was working. The mother was the epitome of the word scam. Scandalous, conniving, abhorrent, manipulator. Destination Unknown is written and recorded by me. Music also by me. Follow me on Instagram at destinationunknown.podcast for updates. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
so you don't miss a show.